family, you're tuning in to the Jimmy Bonds podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Pardon any technical difficulties as we are recording live on the Zoom platform. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Jimmy. Okay. Lights, camera, action. People thought I quit and I ain't giving satisfaction. From a different era, writing rhymes up on nappies. What you had to say was more important, man, than trapping. Yeah, I'm talking back to speaking the contemporary. Welcome back to the Jimmy Bonds Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We thank you for listening. Remember, family, you can call us at 844-844-1244. Again, it's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Even even still, do you think... No, go ahead. Continue. (laughs) Even still, do you think that just because she's dressing a certain way or saying these certain things is she not worthy of that love and nurture or or even being represented as a strong female no she is but again social engineering is turning people towards the opposite i mean who's putting her out there like that okay now who's the record company they're the ones that's pushing and promoting this Tyrone, can I? So yes, yes, so I mean, I'm in agreement with the social engineering from the standpoint of say back in the 50s and 60s of my era. Right. Um, even though you're talking about the current hip hop generation, my generation. I mean, when you think about it, um, there was a song that we used to go to Blue Lights in the Basement, Mm -hmm. and we used to sing to the guys. And when I think about that song, yeah, I've taken it off of my uh, playlist. And it's we love the song. It was Darling Forever. Darling Forever, you can torment me. I'll be your slave for the rest of your days. I'll be a fool for you. This is We would sing this to the guys at the bars at the Blue Lights in the Basement. I said, did we sing that? We sang that? You know? And so it's nothing new. This right. this this has been going on for a long time. Millie um, Jackson is that huh? Millie Jackson? Yes, Millie Jackson. Um, at last, who's who's the sister saying at last? Um, Etta James. Etta James. James. If you mm-hmm. listen to some of Etta James' stuff, you know. Uh, and we can talk about the guys in the blues and guys beating women. I mean, it's nothing new now. This has been going on in our music for a long time because of stuff that was happening at home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like a friend of mine said, um, who's in his 80s, he said when he got married, he said, we used to look at Ozzy Ozzy and Harriet and leave it to Beaver and Donna Reed. And we thought life was get married, white picket fence and happy ever after. That's not what marriage was for us, (laughs) you know. Right. You know, we thought that's what life was supposed to be about, you know, the social engineering, you know, and we followed in that footsteps and it was nothing like. And then I came from a generation, the generation before us was the secret generation. Right. They 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 didn't tell us anything. They hid everything from us. Can I add to the point of like social engineering? Mm-hmm. Um. And just looking like throughout our history and where we've come to today, 
I just want to emphasize like the lack of community and like, yes. Yes. and I think what we speaking on is also the lack of dignity within the community that we don't have. But um, I, when y'all was talking, I thought about the quote from Malcolm X's autobiography. And he said that um, he can always judge a society based on how the women um, are representing themselves. And you were just talking about like uh, Cardi B and like little Kim um, and how these women are representing themselves, but it speaks to like the sickness of what America is and how we hate women and more specifically black women and the lack of community and how we have been disassembled and um, organizing amongst one another and just, just having a community and, and leaning on each other and respecting one another and ourselves. Well, that originally came from, from that originally came from Malcolm X came from Dr. John Henry Clark, and Dr. John Henry Henry Clark said you can tell uh, the way a community the way it treats its children, its elderly, and its women. That's how you define. That's how you uh, you can define a community of how they treat the women, the elderly, and the children. So, so Ms. that's Jackson, where Malcolm X got right it there, from. Right, Ms. Jackson. Based on that, right there. What is the perception of our communities today? Uh, we what community? Right. See, we don't have we don't have no community. What community? We don't have none. Right. And that that again that goes back to me saying the social engineering. I mean, someone mentioned before about the families being broken apart. Mm-hmm. That came with social engineering. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia alone is the biggest child support custody court in America. It is the biggest one. And there's a and reason I, for that to break up the families. And I think we you you said that social engineering is black people are the face of crime. We're the face of drugs. We're the face of child infant mortality. We're the face of um of 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 we're the face of everything. But unfortunately, if you really understand it, those are lies. Mm-hmm. Those are lies. You will find that more white and Asian, et cetera, et cetera, men are not in, in their children's lives more so than black men, mm-hmm. but we're the face for black men are not in our children's lives. When it comes to diabetes, when it comes to, to heart trouble and high blood pressure, Asian community is high with that because of their sugar and their, and their salt preservatives, but they're not the face for it. We're the face for it. Mm-hmm. We need to understand Stop. We need to understand how we're being played. Yes. You know, we allow media, Hollywood. We're looking for this. uh, We're looking for a savior outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the answers are already within us. And can I just say this, too? You know, because I in my profession, I work around a lot of people Mm -hmm. and I do a lot of research about different things. We push our kids out. We push the families out. You know what I'm saying? But other groups of people, they don't push their family members out. We did. You know what I'm saying? You, you stay in the household. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the grandparents take care of the, the kids, the younger people, the, the able-bodied people, they go out and work. Everybody's taken care of. They're, they have a community within their household. But we're told that when you're 18, you get out. You get on your own. You struggle. Whatever you have to do, you do it. But these other people, they're not doing that. And then but even if they do do it, like I was listening to this lady and she was talking about how her daughter's in college and how her and her husband got to pay for her apartment and everything she needs so that she could just focus on getting her education. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then we talk about all the Mexicans, how there's 20 of them living in a house and stuff like that. But look what they have. They open in churches, they open in stores, they got vehicles, they got homes, they got everything that they need for them and they did it for themselves you know you talk and about Caribbean and Africans right. they do but it. you go yeah. to the Asian shop to get your nails done the mm-hmm. kids in the back talking all that yin yang that mm-hmm. they be talking and stuff like that they there they mm-hmm. there they mm-hmm. not at the babysitter's crib they mm-hmm. there and they mm-hmm. take care of each other and stuff like mm-hmm. the Africans they come over here they get a real big house and mm-hmm. be a whole bunch of them jokers living in that house but guess mm-hmm. what they all working you got some taking care of the kids in the household and stuff like that and they doing what they got to do but with us we're all left to fend for ourselves and then we get mad because the man ain't there we get yep. mad this person ain't there we get mad because the woman's independent and leaving the men behind but if we stay mm-hmm. together we wouldn't have that great divide. I want to add to that, though, because I think that's all true and I agree. And I think looking at different cultures put emphasis on how we have been systematically torn down and we've had mm-hmm. formidable opponent, opponents throughout our history, like the U.S. government. So it's not a coincidence. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, oh, we have no fathers. Like, all the Black men are in jail. Like, that's not a coincidence. That was no. Other mm-hmm. people who come over here from Asia or Africa or the Caribbean, they have those values of community instilled. And they still do. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. come together and they support one another. Yeah. But we have a lack of our own history, a lack of education. And for the most part, all of our organizations have been disassembled and by formidable opponents being <laughs> the FBI or the US government. And it's not a coincidence, but it's also our responsibility to the point to like get us back to like community even though we're being torn down at every avenue systematically yeah we've merged into what is american culture and american culture is take your take your mom and throw her into a home yeah. take yeah. your dad throw him into a home yeah. that is not our culture but that listen. is we yeah. listen. We gotta. We gotta get to. We gotta get to this last segment. Y'all. Y'all have so much to say. This is. I feel like I should have did more of this. But no, really, we gotta get to the last segment so we can get everybody home and, and resting. But I, I recorded all of this so that we could we could have some extra footage because this is the kind of stuff that you know. Even with Ty chiming in, like this, this is the kind of stuff that needs to be talked about. Um, I think what was important is that you know we did a black man experience, we did a black woman experience, and I think with Imani and Mama Velma and even Tiffany and Salima, everyone's talking about community. So I feel like it's a need to bring both both genders together to figure out how we can get this community together, you know, mm-hmm. how we can start because it all has to be a solution. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Has to be a solution. Yes. All right, but let, listen, we're gonna come right back to it. We're gonna do this last segment. Everybody, you know, y- y'all y'all are doing phenomenal, shall I say, just absolutely phenomenal. So all right, let's get back to it real quick. Is it okay? 
Michael in his okay all right yeah this is Reverend CC Chicken Wing and I love listening to the Jimmy Barnes podcast insightful thoughtful words that uplift the people and bring up knowledge to the people that's the brother Jimmy Barnes right there you can reach out to the brother too at the Jimmy Barnes podcast at gmail.com this is Reverend CC Chicken Wing And welcome back to Jimmy Bond's podcast. I don't know if you're ready to remember family. You can call us with your comments and questions at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at Jimmy Bond's podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Jimmy Bond's podcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. And family, we're continuing our conversation, the Black Woman Experience. The panel is doing phenomenal. They're killing it. Um, the first segment was on career. The second segment was on relationships. And this last segment is on colorism. And I wanted to save this to last because this is, this is a topic. I think whichever way you fall on the spectrum, you might view it differently. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to kick this off. I wanted to kick this off with Salima and I'll tell you why today I had a conversation with Salima earlier this morning. It wasn't really a conversation, a little in and out, but, um, she was talking about how she's been perceived the majority of her life how she feels that colorism has affected her and i wanted to get her perspective you know just even continuing with what we've been talking about Salima. well how 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 is colorism what role has colorism played in your life so me i am on the lighter side i know my camera's off but i am a very lighter skin african-american and growing up it's always been Oh, you're white. Oh, you're the white girl. Oh, you're not black. Where's your black? And you, I don't see it. Oh, you can't be black. Like, I, it, it, it's tiring at, at some point. And to this day, I still experience that. I'm 25 at this point, and I'm still going through, oh, you're not black. But I go through the same trials and tribulations as that, as another black person. I feel like um, what we were speaking about earlier, uh, Jimmy, with um, our manager, um, he's also like of the light skin. He was like, you got to represent for us because as light skin people, we experience colorism no matter what anybody say. And we experience it from our people more so. Um, I feel like because... I think it comes from slavery, honestly, because we were, quote unquote, in the house, we got better treatment. So people had ill feelings towards us because of the better treatment we received. But at the end of the day, we all suffering. Like we all, we, we not, we not, like Tiffany said, we not free. We all suffer and we still struggling no matter where we are in the house. We're struggling. Um, you was about to say something, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, Tiff, Tiff want to chime in. You on mute, Tiff. So I was waiting for you to finish, but uh, I will say that <clears throat> I was traumatized in elementary school because I'm 49. So I was in elementary school in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And back then, 
light skin. If you were light skinned, you were like the supreme being. But mm-hmm. here's the thing: the light skinned people, the light skinned boys and girls, they used to stick together, and everybody loved them because they were mm-hmm. beautiful. And they mm-hmm. looked at us like we were the darkies, we were mm-hmm. ugly and stuff like that. And that was how it was in my school. I can't mm-hmm. speak about nobody else's school. I can speak about it in my school. And I was traumatized because everybody thought they were so beautiful, so cute mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. And some of them, they might've had curly hair and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. And the dark skinned people that had crushes on these people, they were, we was treated like, not me, because I didn't have crushes mm-hmm. on them. But if you were dark skinned, you were treated like you were trash. Even mm-hmm. me, I'm not even really considered dark skinned, dark skinned. But compared to them, I was dark. And we were dark. We was ugly. Didn't nobody mm-hmm. want to deal with us and stuff like that. It wasn't until the ties mm-hmm. turned and LB Shore and Christopher Williams went out the picture. And then the color, Wesley Snipes and them came through. <laughs> and then we started getting some street cred that right. people started coming to our side. But by that time, I was traumatized to the point where I didn't want to deal with nobody light skin. And I'm going to keep mm-hmm. it 100. And I even married my ex-husband who was blacker than the night because I wanted a bunch of black babies. I didn't mm-hmm. want no light skin kids. Mm-hmm. But guess what? My oldest daughter, she's light skin. And I'm not going to lie. I used to take her outside so she could get darker and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And she never did. And she thinks she's 29 and she thinks she's the ish. And I'm like, girl, you don't miss your mark. That went out in mm-hmm. the 80s. You know what I'm saying? But colorism is real. Yeah. But and I, I think it raised my kids, all of them, because they're all different. My youngest mm-hmm. is dark skinned. And I made sure that she was beautiful. As she knew mm-hmm. from birth, she was beautiful. I never mm-hmm. wanted her to think that she was ugly or anything mm-hmm. because she's dark skinned. So I got a dark skinned one and I got a light skinned one. And they mm-hmm. both think they're ish, which they both <laughs> are. But you have to raise them to believe that. But as far as me being scarred, a lot of us are scarred. And a lot of us are against each other because of how... People yeah, in certain times. I think that's certainly that's the exact reason why, as a light skinned female, I feel as though I get treated so badly by our people because just because of that. Like, like you said, they other people will praise light skinned people or like think they're just so beautiful, and then you get this attitude from someone else. Here comes someone else treating the light-skinned person bad because of their treatment, if that makes sense, if I'm saying it the correct way. So I've been getting that since I can remember. Like, it's, 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 it's so many situations I've dealt with with colorism just for being light-skinned. And I think because I'm light-skinned, yes, it does exist for a light-skinned African-American. Yes, so, it does. So, Lima, I can say the same thing. This is Mama Mama Velma. Um, growing up as a child, I was called high yellow, red bone. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughters who are three different complexions, um, because my mom, my mom was dark and my dad, people didn't know whether he was white or not. Um, and he was black. His mother was Italian, but his father was black. Um, but I used to even get from my friends, oh, your, your daughters didn't get hair like you. 
Mm-hmm. And they would say it in front of them. Or I had uh, co-workers point out my middle daughter who looks more my complexion. Oh, you know, she's your most beautiful daughter, you know. And mm-hmm. I said, no, all three of my daughters are beautiful, yes. you know. Um, so I had to go through this. And then one day I was at, at my father's job and my mother was sitting in the car. And people I used to work with in the neighborhood in Northeast D.C. saw it. My mother said, and they said, that's your mother? I said, yes, that is my mother. And my mother was very dark, you know, and because they were trying to figure out, well, are you black or are you Mexican or are you this? What are, I said, I'm I'm back then. You were Negro, you know, yeah, I was Negro or yeah. African, you know, and uh, but I've, I've had to go through this all mm. my life. My daughters had to go through it about the hair, you know, um. <laughs> Uh, and I told you I was offered to the Library of Congress that uh, if I would just act right, I could have anything I wanted just because of my color. And I said, I don't play that, you know. So, yeah. And then the worst thing of all to be with a conscious black man, a conscious black man, not, not my second husband, beautiful Jack Black guy. All of a sudden, one day he's had peach diagnosed with PTSD from from Vietnam War. Now we've known each other since high school. And one day he just sat up in the bed and said, oh, you're my damn near white wife. And I did like, what? All this time we've been together, it's not loving me. You, You were looking at me because what? You black power conscious. I'm the forbidden fruit to you. That's all I ever was. Mm. So yeah, I've been through it a lot myself, and 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 you know, I watched my mother and father go through it. They thought they were a mixed couple. Blacks used to mistreat them because they were a mixed couple. Whites used to mistreat them. You know. So yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say, Imani, what were you gonna say, Imani? Yeah, first let me. My complexion is like tan. Just before I even start speaking, like um, most people when they see me would consider me to be light skinned but I never grew up thinking I'm light skinned mm-hmm. or identifying as like yeah. that makes me better because. Um, but I think colorism is just a subset of racism. And it's a system put in place to keep us against one another. And I think that um play into it. Yeah, we all as black people, period, experience oppression. And um, no matter what our color is, just like um as Jackson said and Liam said, like they were light skinned and they experienced like negative effects or discrimination because they were lighter. Um, or light-skinned people growing up at certain periods, a certain area had to fight because they were light-skinned. But at the same time, I think colorism greatly affects darker-skinned people way worse and way more. And I think light-skinned mm-hmm. people have a privilege that we don't speak about. And we, um, because light-skinned people too have like a negative effect, they're like, oh, this is I've experienced too and it's like yeah we all know what it's like to be oppressed yet I recognize I have a privilege um 
in comparison to someone who has extremely darker skin, especially black women specifically. And me and my dad mm-hmm. talk a lot about this, but like the the attributes that come with being extremely dark is like masculine and like you can't control yourself. And like those same attributes that are applied to like a black man are also attributed to a black woman, especially of the darker skin. So I think um, it's just a tool to have us... Um, go against one another but I think we need to recognize how much more it affects darker skinned people and especially black women because I'm a black woman and I want to support black women and then also recognizing where we have privilege um amongst color or shades of color but also within race um yeah, like, yeah, just that, like, that's like a white woman, like, I'm oppressed because I'm a woman, but it's like, you still have all these privileges because you're white. So I think um, that's just an important piece to talk about. Not that lighter skinned people don't face discrimination or prejudice. I just Me? think to emphasize more in the conversation of colorism, darker skinned people, period. Me and Imani, sorry, Imani. <laughs> but we go, we talk about this often, me and her, because I often oh. tell her, like, yes, I do experience colorism. And she tells me, it's just like she spoke about, that as a lighter skinned woman, I have a privilege. And me personally, I don't feel like I do. Like, I don't feel like I've ever been given anything extra or, or, or anything containing to a privilege. I don't feel like I've been granted that ever. I feel like me personally, I I can't speak for every light-skinned female because I don't know what they went through. But me personally, I feel like, I mean, I can't name a time where I felt like, oh, I've had a privilege because I was of the lighter skin. Or maybe I've just been, I just haven't been aware of it, but I feel like I've been through enough colorism where I'm like you know I think to that point though oh my fault hold on hold on one second hold on one second I want you know do not forget your thought Tiff don't forget your thought (laughs) Lucy what is your view on this Mm -hmm. I mean my experience is different because I'm African so my standards for colorism Mm -hmm. comes from what the perception of beauty is. So I grew up in a household, well, not necessarily particularly my household, but just my mom where she bleached. Um, so for me, it was like, I'm going to be more acceptable if I'm lighter. So that's the mentality of a lot of Africans. Bleaching was what they Bleach. did. Yeah, um, yeah, so for yeah. me, I would, would say for my mom, my mom has never made me say, oh, you're ugly because you're darker. She's never instilled me in mm-hmm. bleaching. She did it, but she never forced that on me. So that's the only thing when it comes to colorism from my upbringing, being West African, that it was just a beauty standard. You'll be more acceptable in America. You'll be more put together if you're a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I've ever had a complex with my color being chocolate. I just feel like when I go to certain areas like down south when I was in New Orleans, yeah, you see the division. You see a clear difference of how certain men treat certain women. But I don't feel like I was ever affected or I felt any wrong with myself because I never wanted to be anything but my complexion. So I feel like it's just different how you, you know, handle the situation. So it all varies. I can dig it. I can definitely dig it. Tiff, what were you going to say? 
I was going to say that I hate Lucy because she is so chocolate and beautiful. I hate my daughter because she's chocolate and beautiful. And, you know, Salima is so, I don't mean it in a bad way because I love you, Lucy, you know that. But I'm just saying, I have issues with me because when I look at myself, because I'm not dark skin or light skin, I'm like in the middle. And I look at myself and I tell people all the time, I'm proof that somebody was raped in my family by white people. And now when I look at myself, that's how I feel. And I don't like it because I want to be chocolate. You know what I'm saying? And as far as Salima goes, when she was talking, it reminds me of white people when white people say they don't feel privileged and stuff like that. And it's like they don't you don't know that you have certain privilege or you don't know that you've been given things because of certain Mm -hmm. things. But I'm not saying you feel that way, but no, that's what a lot of white people. That's what a lot of white people the say when is, they say the they don't have been privileged or whatever. The but difference is the white people do know this, though. They just they of, just what yeah, more a than they know some of them don't that even realize that racism exists because they don't live in certain right. you know. They just live their lives. I met a white dude in Connecticut and we were having a conversation and he was so oblivious to what was going on because in his in his world, he doesn't deal with certain issues. So to him, he can't understand why certain things are certain ways. And he told me about how he met a black guy one time and the black guy, they had a great conversation and the black guy let him use his car. And he was like, wow, he's let me use his car. We don't even know each other that well. He said when he told his friends, his white friends, it was like, that man is a fool. Why would he give you his car? You know what I'm saying? But people when you live a certain life or whatever whatever your life is you may not recognize certain things because it's just your life you know what I'm saying you're dealing with it but from the outside looking in you will be able to see that somebody else has certain type of privileges or whatever whatever I don't never get no privilege because I'm just (laughs) what are you gonna say Slima no, I was just saying, like, about the privilege. Like, for me personally, I can't sit here and say, oh, I was granted this because, like I said, I may not be aware of it, but I can't really sit here and say that I've had a privilege of something. Like, even just sitting here thinking about it, and it may sound like, oh, you had that light skin privilege. But me personally, I don't I don't feel it. I feel more colorism from our people than I do feel like I have a privilege, if that makes sense. Like I feel that more than if I if I did experience this quote unquote privilege. I, Wait, get it. I, understand. I just want to say I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, compare your experience to a darker skinned woman. Like there has probably been many times where you got a pass or somebody treated you better or didn't treat her for example as bad as they would have treated you um and also like white people a lot of white people don't know they they firmly believe that they aren't privileged and like we didn't do nothing wrong Mm -hmm. they just continue to live in these systems that continue to oppress us and we know because we're oppressed but the Mm -hmm. person who's oppressing doesn't know and or doesn't necessarily know some of them do Mm -hmm. but i think for any person ever period to be like I don't have a privilege is is like um ignorant because to not be like to not identify that I could potentially actually be receiving something 
that I had no idea is going on, especially as a Black person who's been oppressed our whole lives. Like, we know what it's like for people not to know or consider us. So I think we also have to recognize the privileges that we do have, um, even though we are extremely oppressed and probably the most oppressed group in this nation. But we do have privileges, even just being American, for example, mm-hmm. like going outside the country, yeah, being able to vote or having lighter skin. I think certain things are privileges, though you may have been oppressed your whole life. Like a homeless white man, for example, like he will have so much more access and privilege than a homeless black man. Nonetheless, he's still homeless, but he has that privilege of being white and getting passes and having access. I think it's the same thing, speaking of colorism, and just emphasis on the point that it's just a system to like keep us divided, which it it has succeeded in over the last however many 400 years. Yep. And to go with that privilege too, you know, if you light skin and you pretty, you know, but well, then we pretty. all you could be you could be brown skin and you could be dark skin. Pretty privilege goes into that too because I don't yep. care what color you are, if you pretty, you got some privilege going on. But that's pretty true. based on what? That's true. Pretty, See, that's the- based on people's perception because everybody yeah. has a lot of people think Halle Berry is pretty. Mm you know, not so much as she ages because she looked like her mama. You know what I'm saying? But there's people that think she's the most beautiful woman in the world, but there's other people that think she ain't all that. You know, some people think I've, like, I've heard people um, like, there would be like a brown skin or just a completely not light-skinned woman. And they're like, oh, like, you so pretty and light-skinned and like, try to attribute like being light skin as a compliment when she's not, and it's like or you're pretty not, for a brown skin. Okay. Yeah, like that's not the compliment. Like the compliment is I'm beautiful. Period. Not yeah. oh, right. Like, right. Let me try to make you light skin or like try to boost mm-hmm. it. You know, like that's not. That's just weird. I yeah. mean, back back in the '60s when the bush first came out. All right, and I wore bush. You know, I had this great big. Got an afro? Huh? Afro. Uh huh. I had an afro back then but I had black people tell me oh you know you can do better than that because my hair my hair is not my hair is fine and curly it's not not you know and they was oh you know you can do to the point that I went bought a bush wig because I didn't want I hear my own black people tell me about I'm doing the best I can with my hair you know uh so yeah it happened and and as far as privilege is concerned yes the privilege does exist for me, I never played on it because I don't, I didn't believe in that. I didn't believe in that, but it, yeah, it, it does exist and people do treat you in that, in that way. And, right. diff- and like you were talking about, Tiffany talking about your children, you have a light skin and a dark skin. Well, my best friend is dark skin and both of her children are light skin. Mm-hmm. My three daughters are medium, light and dark. And when we used to go out, they thought the dark-skinned child belonged to my sister and her children belonged to me, you know, to the point that my niece still gets bothered by because my sister would call my my youngest one, who's the dark one, her chocolate drops. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, listen. I think what you said, Miss Jackson, when you said um, that you didn't play on that privilege, I think that's more so what I mean by privilege because mm-hmm. I don't I'm not using it to an advantage if 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 I, you know mm-hmm. um 
I don't think that's fair. And right. I understand that completely. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, you know, we we've been going at this for a minute, family. This <laughs> this has been fantastic. So what I would like to do to end the show is to allow each one of you to say something that you would want to say to the black women that's listening, or even to the black men or to the people that listen. What would you want to say to them about the experience of a black woman? It doesn't have to be, you know, whatever, whatever you feel like it's on your heart. I just want to, I live by this and I teach my kids this. Um, Just treat others how you want to be treated. Male, female, big, tall, black, white. If you don't want somebody treating you bad, calling you names, hurting your feelings, don't do that to somebody else. Mama Velma? Okay, we're at a time now, um, and we're in this eclipse. We're in the time of eclipse, lunar eclipse, and we're at the time of the full moon. And since COVID, or before COVID, we're being asked by the universe, by whatever name you want to call, is for us to go within. Go within each one of ourselves and make some changes because the only way the world is going to change is when we we change we all have contributed to this mess in one way one way or another or another and it's up to us to make the change so i suggest that everyone go within and make the change of how you how you address each other regardless of race you know regardless of sex regardless of sexual preference, et cetera, et cetera. And look at each of us as beings of the universe. You know, the arrogance on earth to believe we're the only beings, we are speck compared to the rest of the universe. There are other beings. There are other beings beside us. We need to get it together. Amen. Amen. Salim, uh, I mean, Tiffany, what, what did you want to say? We can't walk around here talking about we're queens acting like the help. And um, there's nothing wrong with women rising, but we cannot rise and leave Black men behind. Because if we're leaving them behind, then we're still at the bottom. Touche. Touche. Imani? Can y'all hear me? I just put my earpod in. We can hear you. Yep. All right. Um, I guess I just want to say like dignity and education. Like it starts with self-respect and res- therefore respecting other people. And then like educate yourself, like man or woman. Um, I think we could go so far if we just really implement those in our lifestyles and habits. Um, as black people and I think it's lacking hugely um, so yeah just dignity and education like start looking some stuff up yeah so educating yourself Lucy what you want to say I was basically going to say understand and basically learn as well you're a black woman because although we're strong in so many great attributes but it's a lot to unpack and um, unlayer about 
who we are as individuals. And I feel like once we start to learn that and understand that, I feel like those bridges, those gaps, those communities that we talked about will start forming itself when you start getting a better understanding and learning that. Uh, can I say one other thing is my philosophy and realizing in our educational system and how flawed it is, if you pay attention, all the systems are falling apart uh, and they have to fall apart because they no longer serve any of us, is that children need to be taught from the inside out. Unfortunately, we have been teaching our children for centuries and decades from the outside in. And that's where we lose them because they're comparing themselves, trying to be something that they're not. Original African culture way back when was when a child came into the world. And there's a movie, an African movie called Karaku and the Sorceress. And what they would ask the child, why have you come? Because we all have a unique purpose. Every single one of us have a unique purpose to contribute to this earth and to each other. And if we find out why they have come and then we groom them for their purpose, we would all be much better off. And, and wisdom from the elder is always important to take with you, Final. That that has to be the, the, the thing that you hold on to. Brother Todd, I know you've been over there quiet the whole time. What do, what do you want to say about the experience of sitting back listening to what our, our women had to say on the panel? I enjoyed all of it. Um, everyone was on point with what they were saying. You know, I enjoyed all of it, too. Man, listen, that's, that's what's good. That's what's good. Well, you know, I hate to end shows, especially when they're this good, but we have to end it. Um, but family, I can't thank everybody on the panel. I cannot thank you enough for your input, for your your insight, for your wisdom, your knowledge, and your love, because you have to love who you are in order to do this. Um, so I really appreciate you from my team's bottom, from the bottom of our hearts and the radio station, Philadelphia Radio. We just thank you for sharing. It's not easy to share. I, I say this all the time. It's not easy to share, particularly your experiences. And when you have people that are willing to do it, particularly, I have five beautiful women that came on tonight, really willing to share their experiences. I, I take that as invaluable. It's it's better than gold. So I really appreciate you coming on tonight and sharing your experiences. Um, as I end every show, you know, we are definitely in a different time period. We're in a different era. We're in a different season. So I pray that you spread love, not hate, spread joy and truth and not lies. For well, at some point, we go get better at this. Imani talked a lot about community in this in this podcast, a lot about community, how important community is. And I think you have to start with conversations in your community to have your community built. Sometimes it's, it's better to have a few that understand you than have a lot that don't. So I really appreciate all of this and everything that everyone's doing today. Um, I'm thankful, I'm humble. <laughs> I'm Jim Shufa. I'm smiling from Eddie over here, but I really appreciate you ladies coming on tonight. Um, We're going to end the show out. As I always say, please, please, please wash your hands, wear a mask, practice social distancing, whatever you're going to do, because we're still in a pandemic, as they would say. However, if you believe it or you don't believe it, you live your life the way you're supposed to, just make sure you protect yourself and the ones around you at all times. Um, I thank everyone for listening each and every week. I thank Ty, I thank Philadelphia Radio, I thank Lucy, Mama Velma, 
Tiffany, Imani, Salima. I thank y'all so much for coming on tonight. We're going to show. I'm Jimmy Bonds, Philadelphia Radio, Jimmy Bonds Podcast. We out. Peace. Fam, that's going to wrap the show. We want to thank you for listening to Jimmy Bonds Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We ask you to leave your comments and questions at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Now, remember, family, we are still in the COVID-19 pandemic. So please, please, please remember to wash your hands, wear a mask, and practice social distancing. Also, remember to take nothing for granted and value every opportunity you have with your friends, your family, and your loved ones. For in these times, every moment is sacred. So until the next episode, you can find me on Go Hope Road, screaming, stay up, don't sleep in your dreams. I'm Jimmy Bonds, and I'm out. Fight on, come on.